This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about Caesar salad. Woo! Hey, it's March. Did we suggest this? Is is March like National Caesar Salad Month? No, no, but I was just thinking, you know, like we're we're getting close to the time that we'll be getting some spring vegetables, maybe some baby romaine. Yeah, there's a song called Baby Romaine that's really good. It's stuck in my head now. We're taping this in early January, and I think maybe I'm feeling a bit delusional about when spring vegetables are coming. (laughs) Yeah, that's possible. uh, (laughs) But, okay, Uh, so you're listening to this in early March. I don't know. Maybe you'll get some baby romaine in the next couple months. Um, Yeah, maybe, (laughs) like, just, like, delivered to you unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you can listen to that song, Matthew, who... who it's I by, said, who makes that song? Uh, it's by the Would Be Goods. It's it's one of these like indie bands that I listen to that no one's ever heard of. Uh, I couldn't even find when I tried to Google the lyrics. What came up was Nicki Minaj Anaconda for some reason. Oh. <laughs> it was a very different song. It's such um, a different song. It's it start the song. It starts out like Baby Romaine, so young and tender, and I don't remember what happens after that. <gasps> Oh my God! This oh sorry, I'm I've got my feet on a drawer in my closet, and it's just a I always whole keep my feet in a drawer for safekeeping. Around as I lifted my feet and the drawer shifted. Wow, things are so exciting here on Spilled Milk this morning. Let's talk about Caesar salad. All right. Uh, Let's go down memory lane. Oh, man. You know, it was strange. When I sat down to think about memory lane for Caesar salad, all I could think about was like ladies who lunch or like movies where like people play tennis or golf and then go have lunch. You know, and (laughs) they have a grill. What is this? (laughs) This sounds like the worst movie. Or what maybe, are you talking about? No, okay, or maybe like TV. Okay, like okay, picture, yeah, a TV okay, show where picture, people play golf and then eat lunch. Picture Lucille Bluth. Okay, picture okay, Lucille yeah, yeah. Bluth 
having lunch with Lindsay. Now she's yeah, going yeah, to have, have a lot of mar- yeah. she's going to have a lot of martinis, but she's also going to have a Caesar salad. Am I right? Yeah, you're ab- no, you're absolutely right. Okay, okay. So anyway, my memory lane is just filled with the words "ladies who lunch" and vague montages of people sitting outdoors eating Caesar salads. I haven't thought about the phrase "ladies who lunch" in a really long time, but it sounds great, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think that we are ladies who lunch, Matthew? I, think, I mean, like, certainly like pre-pandemic, yeah. Like, we would get together for lunch for no reason. I mean, well, this show was pretty much just us having, like, lunch together. Yeah, at, that's like, true. At, like, 10 in the morning, you know? I mean, we're back to taping and we'll, in and our we'll closet. And we'll be again someday. Someday. Matthew, what about your memory lane of Caesar salads? So I, I talked about this with wife of the show, Lori, and we both felt like we associated with, like, catering and, like, buffets. Like, at a buffet, there would be, like, a big bowl of Caesar salad. Family restaurants, like, it would be a, a salad option, like, at maybe, like, a Denny's? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that feels right. And I definitely had it. Did you ever go to, to the local, small local chain Zupa when it existed? No, I've never, I'd never even seen or thought about this word until I saw it on the agenda. Okay, today. so this is Z-O-O-P-A. So like the Italian for soup only spelled wrong for, for like copyright reasons. And it was a local like Seattle area chain that maybe had like three locations at the most. And the one I would go to would, was at South Center. And it was just like a soup and salad and dessert buffet. I feel like we are describing different cities. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have never heard of such a thing. This was a chain in Seattle? Yeah. I mean, chain, chain is a strong word. It's, there a were multi, like two or three. Multi, lo- it was multi, multi locations. Yeah. It was, okay. it was a concept restaurant. How about that? And when was this? I first went when I was in high school. So, oh. you know, the dark ages, like the, the 700s. So I was living in Oklahoma. You were living in Oklahoma, which I'm sure had like soup and salad buffet restaurants of its own. Yes. Hold on. If you went to Zupa mm-hmm. and you had Caesar salad with your soup. Yeah. Was the Caesar salad already like tossed? Yeah. Like on so some there salad would be bar? Like a salad bar where you could like put together your own thing. Well, okay. This is a good question. I don't remember. It's possible there was like romaine and Caesar dressing available or it's, but they did have some like pre-made composed salads. Not composed, mm. but some like pre-made salads in addition to like a salad bar where you could build your own. It was it was the kind of place where like abundance was the was the byword. How are salads when they're? I can't made... believe you let me get away with just saying abundance was the byword without making fun of me. I was I, I had tuned out by the time you got <laughs> okay. to the end of that sentence. But like, so. I mean, it's a great. It's like the kind of place a kid or like a hungry teenager would love because it was all you can eat. Like you, there's like you know seven kinds of soups and like any you know uh, twenty seven different salad ingredients and like a dessert bar and just like all kinds of shit. Okay, and, and how is a Caesar salad when it's been made and, and and left on like a salad bar all tossed and everything for a while? How is that? I mean, I think it's fine. Like I, you know, I, I understand that like after a while, like like a salad will get soggy, but I don't think it's like it doesn't happen as quickly as like recipe head notes tend to imply i think okay like i'm okay with a with a 20 minute old salad and i think i think probably they were they were like refreshing the salad the, the composed salads pretty often i'm just going with composed salad okay i love how often you're saying composed salad yeah. right now 
What is a composed salad? Is it like uh, I think of a, a composed salad is something that is plated. It's like it's not tossed. Okay. I, th- I think I oh, yeah. oh, I just hit on it. Yeah. Oh my god, I just figured it out. Oh wow. This yeah, is so yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. So composed stands in opposition to tossed. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So it's not tossed. It's like arranged on a plate or a platter or even in a in a bowl maybe, but like composed. Yeah, possibly like with tweezers. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like how I've been defining composed by using the word composed? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, but, that's but the like way you we also define defined it here. in opposition to tossed. So like you can be like tempest tossed, or you can be tempest composed. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, you can be like a tempest in a teapot, or composed in a teapot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not the opposite. Of, tempest is not the opposite of composed. <laughs> no, no, it, now it is. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Ah, tempest salad. You can be tossed Freshly in a teapot. Tempest. Okay. I was really tossed right. in a teapot last night, but I'm, I'm feeling a little hungover this morning. <laughs> I got a little bit tossed in a teapot on New Year's Eve. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever done that before on New Year's Eve. Mm. Um, it was delightful. Yeah, I drank some, like a half a can of hard cider. Wow, Matthew. <clears throat> Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that's how I toss my teapot. Um, <laughs> that's dirty. Yeah. Okay, now let us define the salad. So Caesar salad, for those who have been living on another planet, mm-hmm. uh, is it's a green salad composed primarily of romaine lettuce with croutons and with a dressing that's usually made from the following ingredients or some like, you know, large subset yeah. of these ingredients. Lemon juice or lime juice. We'll talk more about okay. that in a minute. Olive oil, egg, Worcestershire sauce. Anchovies, garlic, Dijon mustard, Parmesan, and black pepper. Okay. And it's often prepared and served in a teapot table side. <laughs> that would be that'd be so cute. <laughs> yeah. In a tempest. Well, I mean you could you could like pour salad dressing from a little teapot. Oh god, that'd be so yeah. cute. Oh, that'd be so cute. You know, yeah, Matthew, Tempest tossed to... table side. I like that. <laughs> I tried to do a little bit of research into tableside cooking and preparation, like where this came from. And there's certainly like a name for it in like French cooking, uh, which I learned from Wikipedia, not from being a a snooty Francophile. Sure. Uh, It's called like... Guéridon cooking oh, like, or something? like the guéridon is like the, the cart. It's like the, that the they cart, roll out. the chariot. Yeah. yeah. But I still, like, I didn't find anything on Wikipedia about where this came from or why certain things and not others are done tableside. I wonder if any of our listeners, perhaps food historians, perhaps, is it Ken Albala, mm-hmm. might be able to tell us a little bit about tableside cooking. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. not in time for this episode. Yeah, because like sometimes, like like you, you could like carve a prime rib table side or something. Yeah, or like well, like there was the Mexican restaurant in New York that became famous for, or like you know, Tex, maybe Tex Mex restaurant that became famous for tableside guacamole or Ro- Rosa Me- Mexicana. I think it was Rosa Mexicana. Okay, I think. Yes, I never, I never had that, but even though I don't really like guacamole, it sounds good. <laughs> I just remembered that Tempest Tossed comes from uh, the poem by Emma Lazarus. Do you think the Statue of Liberty is like technically a very large teapot? Yes. Okay, I yes, thought so. Because if you tip her over, mm-hmm. you can pour her out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah that's someone, what she's holding. Someone's probably that, plotting to do that as we speak. 
That's what she's holding the the torch up for. She's just she's doing I'm a little teapot. Yes, exactly. I that mean, was hold the, on. I gotta I gotta pull up a picture of the Statue of Liberty. You because, should, yeah. That was gonna be really? the original poem, I'm a little teapot, and then Emma Lazarus came in and was like, you know, no, we need something with something a little more serious. Hold on. She is straight up doing I'm a little teapot. Are we the first to realize this? Oh my god, she is doing I'm a little teapot. She's got one hand on her hip, sort of. And then one arm up in the air. That's what you do yeah. to become a teapot. You have a handle and you have a spout. What? I, I, I forgot how we got there from Tempest. <laughs> okay. A tempest in a teapot. Tempest right, right, right. In a okay. Teapot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Got to walk it back. Okay. okay I have a Matthew. question. Uh, this is a real salad question. Like when I asked you about what is a composed salad, that was like a new segment real salad questions. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You may be getting there, but are there other salad dressings that have egg in them? And as I ask that, I realize mayonnaise is a salad dressing that has egg in it. But like other than those mayonnaise and Caesar salad, are there others? Because it felt weird putting an egg yolk in the dressing when I made the Caesar salad. You know, so I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, but my dad used to make his vinaigrette sometimes using an egg yolk as an emulsifier. Uh, but I, he always used um, Spice Islands, like salad vinaigrette yeah. seasoning. Yeah, sometimes he would use an egg yolk, and but I don't, I don't know what other dressings you do that in. Okay, who knows? So how about we go into the history here? Because Let's I realized, I realized as I was researching the history that I don't think I actually had thought much about this before, and yet I knew the name Caesar Cardini. Yeah, I did too. Like it just came to mind immediately, and we will discuss why. All right, so this salad is usually said to have been created by Caesar Cardini. Yes, okay. there we go. Who was an Italian immigrant to the U.S. who operated restaurants in the U.S. and in Mexico. Okay. Apparently, he lived in San Diego, but he he owned restaurants in Tijuana because he was able to avoid the restrictions of prohibition. There. That makes sense. He apparently invented this salad at his restaurant Caesars at the Hotel Caesar in Tijuana. Nice. This is according to Wikipedia. When in 1924... On the 4th of July, there was like a real rush on the restaurant and it depleted the kitchen's supplies. So he... <laughs> there has to be an origin story. <laughs> I know, talked about right? this before, like the origin story for a dish can never, can never just be like, it sounded tasty, so we made it. It always has right. to be like, there was an accident or there was a shortage or... <laughs> right, or like the chocolate chips just fell in the bowl. Right. Uh, <laughs> there was an um, explosion. Or like, I just found it like the 4th of July, really? Like, is there... A big Fourth of July tradition in um, another country. I don't that is know Mexico. I mean, maybe in Tijuana they do a really big Fourth of July celebration. I, I went there for like a, one day when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I did too. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple times. Anyway, so yeah, apparently Cardini made do with what he had, adding the dramatic flair of tableside preparation by the chef. I like it. Anyway, that said, a number of his staff members after that said that they invented it. <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. Question, though. You said, like, there was a rush, and so they were, they were like, short, short on supplies. Is the implication here that they were like, well, we're out of steak, but, but we've invented this new salad, and that's all you get? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> and people are like, this salad is so good, I don't care that I'm still hungry. It was... <laughs> It wasn't clear to me. Okay. But it but More it did croutons. maybe help me 
<laughs> it did maybe help me understand why the salad is really like just romaine mm-hmm. and croutons. I mean, it does seem like, you know, you could run out of avocado. You could run out of. But you can't run out of lettuce for some never. reason. <laughs> never. Okay. Nope. It's actually, it's like Streganona's pasta pot. All right. That makes sense. I was yep. wondering the other day, do you know, is Streganona's pasta pot like a real like old Italian fable or was it invented by Tommy De Paola? I want to say it was invented by Tommy De Paola, but I'm not positive. I know. It's a good story. It is a good story. Do you remember? What are the magic words that make the pasta pot stop? Do you remember? Was, was that even in the book? That was in the book. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know okay. what they were. All right. Okay. Anyway, but don't say those words because we need more romaine for our Caesar salads. Oh, hey, Streganona was published the same year I was, 1975. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love Streganona. Okay, can I finish? Yes. So according to Caesar Cardini's daughter, Rosa, the original Caesar salad did not have anchovy in it. I've heard this Um, as well. Okay. The slight anchovy flavor or umami or whatever was said to come from Worcestershire sauce Mm -hmm. in the original. Cardini was apparently opposed to using anchovies in his salad. Do you think there was a vote and he was like the opposition? (laughs) Yeah, some, some people abstained. Yeah. Okay. The Rosa. The the anchovies all voted yes. <laughs> Please use us. So his daughter Rosa apparently said at some point in the 1970s. I mean, she. I. It seems like she spent her whole life talking about Caesar salad. I. I mean, it's probably that people kept coming to her and demanding for her take on Caesar salad. That's true. Uh, like if you're okay. if, if if one of our if parents like invented something that everybody knows, like people would be keep bugging us about it, right? Well, like how my dad invented Altoids, Altoids right? Yeah, was that right? Is that what he invented? Yeah, in in uh, in the uh, late 18th century, I think. Yeah, everybody asks me about Altoids. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait, hang on, I'm not done. So Rosa said that the original recipe included whole lettuce leaves, which were meant to be lifted. Lifted by the stem end <laughs> and eaten with one's fingers. Okay. Do you think Rosa was punking I us? I think Rosa was punking us. I think that's a great, I love her. I know. She I think she was anything, like, I'm really right? going to mess with them What now. are they going to do? She said that it, it also involved coddled eggs. So I guess the egg wasn't raw. It was coddled. Okay. And Italian olive oil. You know, because Cesar Cardini was Italian. Anyway, it's not clear to me if when Rosa gave these these three instructions, if she was implying that this was the entirety of the recipe. With no no acid? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Julia Child ate Caesar salad at Caesar's in Tijuana when she was a kid in the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. I saw when I was looking at at Caesar salad recipes, it seemed like a lot of the Caesar salad recipes that we see today are descendants of or copies of uh, Julia Child's recipe. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, you know, this started out in Southern California slash Northern Mexico, right? So, strangely, on Wikipedia, I wish I could uh, see the history of Wikipedia, the history of the Caesar salad page to see who put this on there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, somebody took the trouble to insert on the Caesar salad Wikipedia page that... A Pennsylvania newspaper reporter mm-hmm. named Dorothy Kilgallen 
wrote in 1946 of a Caesar dressing that was the big food rage in Hollywood. I mean, that seems... And that the version she mentioned included anchovies, which was a big deal because there weren't anchovies in the original. Okay. Can we read from this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So... I spent a long time puzzling over this. Now, keep in mind, this was published in a Pennsylvania newspaper in 1946. Mm -hmm. The column by Dorothy Kilgallen is called The Voice of Broadway. Okay. (laughs) All right. It begins. Jottings in pencil. Friends hear that Mary Kirk Brown's most unlosable and most famous admirer phoned her frantically from Chicago (laughs) when he heard of her, quote, engagement, end quote, to Dick Stabile. And begged her to call it off. They say he you, promised you to get a divorce. Are, right? I have no okay, idea okay, who great. these people are. I love it. All right. They say he promised to get a divorce and marry her if she'd join him immediately. And intimates wouldn't be surprised if she did just that. Did, well, did no she? one is taking. Maybe she's no still mulling it over. No one is taking her betrothal to the band leader very seriously. <laughs> okay, but hold, hold on. Okay, hold on. What I I'm going to skip a couple paragraphs. Wait, wait, no. Here. Can I read the next one because it's great? Yes. Comedian Dick Wesson and his bride Winnie Walsh, the former Latin Quarter singer, are knitting tiny garments. <laughs> I somehow didn't yeah. read that before. And also, does that, wait, does is this a euphemism for having a baby? Uh, no, they just they just are really into knitting. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're they're knitting like baby clothes. Okay, I really like this one, Leslie Long. <laughs> Pretty vocalist. Oh my Eddie God, St- wait. I want nothing this- more than for someone to describe me as pretty vocalist. <laughs> I'm going to get business cards. <laughs> pretty vocalist with Eddie Stone's orchestra at the Glass Hat is being wooed by Jack Gage, millionaire Texas rancher. He proposed over the long distance wire. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna read another. We we just have to read all this entire column because it's the best thing. Okay. Yeah. Elaine Barry, John Barrymore's widow, is making the rounds of the radio producers' offices looking for mic jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I love the phrase mic jobs. Um, friends of Humphrey Bogart and Baby Bacall. Is that what they called Lauren Bacall? I guess. Maybe Humphrey Bogart's uh, knitting tiny garments. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, friends of Humphrey Bogart and Baby Bacall have word that the cinema pair will be on the East Coast soon for their summer stock stint. Does that mean they were in... I'm just so confused. This was in a a Pennsylvania newspaper. (laughs) I don't know. And yet, I don't understand. This is like, like gossip from all over the country. We've got a millionaire Texas rancher. We've got the Latin Quarter. We've got the East Coast. And then we've got the big food range right. in Hollywood. We got there. The Caesar salad will be introduced to New Yorkers by Gilmore's Steakhouse. Okay. It's an intricate concoction that takes ages to prepare and contains, in parentheses, Zowie. Lots of garlic, raw and slightly coddled eggs, croutons, romaine, anchovies, Parmesan cheese, <laughs> yeah, olive oil, vinegar, and plenty of black pepper. Zowie, Zowie. But Matthew, would you read the the last the last little? <laughs> I would love to <laughs> snippet from this gossip column. Joan Gentry, the cute little newcomer to the Stork Club <laughs> bandstand, got a check for four thousand dollars from her daddy to buy new frocks. She's the girl who spent 16 of her 20 years in a cast after a childhood fall. What? Wow. Kind of. Oh, my God. 
I mean, I think you could get a lot of frocks in 1946 for four thousand dollars. Four grand, but if you've spent sixteen of your twenty years in a body cast, it, it, it didn't say body it, cast. Oh, it just says cast. Right, sixteen but years. That, in that a doesn't cast? make a lot of sense, does it? Sixteen of her twenty years. I mean, they would first of all they would keep huh. needing to make bigger casts. Maybe she's just got a very small arm. Maybe yeah. They just well, kept the they baby. Did, they did say yeah. she's a cute little newcomer. That's right. So, I mean, we need to we need to start knitting tiny garments for this cute newcomer. <laughs> tiny frocks. Anyway, uh, all of that you. sounds made up. Even the part about the salad sounds fake somehow. Isn't it amazing? So, so yeah, I mean, it so, sounds like well, she was she was like reporting from New York, but still, a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this makes sense. But then why was it, anyway, a a Pennsylvania newspaper, uh, everybody in Pennsylvania wants to know what's going on on Broadway. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Well, anyway, so the bottom line here is that somebody put this on Wikipedia to to show that at some point between 1924, when Cesar Cardini apparently invented the Caesar salad, and 1946, when Dorothy Kilgallen wrote this column, Caesar salad came to have anchovies in it. And, I mean, that feels like a very slow-moving trend, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, so whatever the the status of anchovies in the original, modern Caesar salad recipes and and bottled Caesar dressings typically include anchovies as like a key ingredient, both flavor wise and sometimes like it's like emulsified in there as anchovy paste. Uh, So maybe, I don't know, a little texture too. Yeah. Anyway, another thing that, that differed about the original recipe and sort of the typical Caesar now is that the original recipe used lime. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that would be good. Like, I feel like I am more likely to have limes than lemons on hand, although I try to usually have both. And yeah. anytime I have substituted lime juice for lemon juice in something, it's always been fine. Sometimes mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Apparently, as the salad moved north from Tijuana through the U.S., lemon juice replaced okay. the lime juice. The implication there is like there was a time when lemons were common in non-international U.S. markets, but not limes. That does seem to be the implication. I wonder when limes like joined joined the produce everywhere roster. We've done a lime episode. Yeah, maybe we should we? go back and listen to our own damn episode. We probably should. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place 
Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took... Took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of <laughs> movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator, yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like the art of making Has people feel to things. This? To, to teach me? Yeah. Yeah, because, because I've got a master class subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolengi, yeah. you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're 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 on Masterclass. Yes. But private lessons. He from right. Otolenghi doesn't come to your house, That's but right. virtually he does. That's right. So Masterclass makes all of this possible and you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. Masterclass.com slash spilledmilk15. You know, I was thinking about there are so many, like every line of salad dressing now has a Caesar dressing. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the, the term... Caesar Cardini's was trademarked. Their brands, Cardini's, Caesar Cardini's, the original Caesar dressing, mm-hmm. these are all trademarked and I believe attributed to Caesar Cardini. Wife of the show, but Lori, I- said that when she was growing up, um, they would always have a bottled dressing in the fridge called Creamy Caesar. That, was, mm. that wasn't the brand name, but it was like the name of the dressing. Sure. I think that the only time I've ever used bottled Caesar dressing that I was aware of, I mean, I've probably eaten a lot of bottled Caesar dressing on Caesar sure. salads out in the world, but the only time I've used it that I've been aware of is I think, you know, getting like a prepackaged salad or something somewhere or maybe even on an airplane. Sure. And maybe it's come with a little single serving package. Have you of ever Caesar dressing. bought a Caesar salad kit? Because this is something I realized they sold at the supermarket. I was going to get one and like make it before this episode, but I it just didn't work out grocery shopping wise. I have never bought a Caesar salad kit as such. I've only bought like pre-packed one like at the airport. Okay. And I don't know if that counts. Um, I, it's, it's the same thing, only smaller. So, yeah. That's true. That's true. I have to say, if you're going to get a little like, you know, aluminum or a little foil packet of, of dressing, Caesar is a pretty good way to go. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, like if you were going through a cafeteria or something and the dressing was came in like little individual packets and you got to choose one. I think I might lean towards Caesar. We should. I don't think we've ever done a bottled salad dressing episode because it's like one of the areas it's of the supermarket category. that like skeeves me out the most. <laughs> Like, oh, which, which I know yeah. is like extremely elitist, but no, but it is once you've made vinaigrette at home, then when you pour vinaigrette out of a bottle, you notice how viscous it is. Mm-hmm. At least that's my feeling. And I start to get like, what is going on in here? Sure. I know 
Yeah. I think about even uh, even like Newman's own, yeah, Newman's yeah. original salad dressing, which is quite delicious, has a funny texture. Yeah, it's probably got some sort of gums. What what skeeves you out about oh, bottled it's, salad Oh, it's dressing? just that like, you know, it goes back to my like fear of condiments that like it's like mm. a sauce that is like stable at room temperature in the bottle before you open it. And I don't really know what's in there. But Matthew, you love steak sauce. I do. I do love steak sauce. But like we've talked about and this before. Like, sauce. Like these, these are things that like somehow like got through my filter for reasons that I can't explain. Yeah. Okay. You know, this this talk, I'm imagining like uh, a wicker basket with a whole bunch of single serving packets of dressing in it now. <laughs> yeah, and this I like makes that. me long for a time when I could like safely feel like I could go to some like place Wendy's with a salad, salad bar. bar and Yeah. I know that yeah. doesn't exist anymore, but Do you remember when they had a baked potato? Yeah on the menu too. God, those were the days. All this to say, I have never bought Caesar dressing, but I think that it's a really good bet if you're dealing with packaged dressing. Yeah, it's, it sure seems that way. So do you make Caesar's, Caesar salad from scratch at home then? I have only done it a couple of times. I have made Julia Tertian's recipe in Small Victories, which is the title just really does it okay, for me. Let's hear it. Uh, it's called Julia's Caesar. <laughs> oh, that was a very polite laugh. <laughs> but anyway, I really uh, oh wait, I just I got made it. That. It's like Julia's Caesar. I was I was still yes. thinking about Julia Child. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, okay. no, Julia's Caesar. Uh, also- okay. Very funny now that I get it. Julia Tertian's family also seems quite punny. She says in the head notes that this was a recipe that she developed when she worked regularly as a private chef. And she was often asked to like leave containers of it in her clients' refrigerators. Sure. She says, my master plan is to one day put it in a bottle. My mother is convinced that it will sell well and then my whole family can live in the house that Julia's Caesar built. Nice. Yeah, it'd be like a, like a whole Coliseum type of deal. I really enjoy this punny family. Her recipe is pretty classic up to a point. It uses uh, garlic. It uses oil-packed anchovy fillets, uh, lemon juice, a little bit of red wine vinegar, olive oil, uh, Parmesan, kosher salt, black pepper. And then instead of egg, it uses two tablespoons of mayonnaise. Okay. So what's nice about it is I think some, so a lot of Caesar dressing recipes call for mayonnaise instead of the egg. And there's a wide variety, I think, of textures that people think of as Caesar right. dressing, right? I don't want it to be like as thick as mayonnaise. Yeah. But sometimes it's like heading almost in that direction. I think it should be like a slightly thicker vinaigrette. So Julia's recipe is kind of on the thinner end. I think the texture is actually pretty ideal. And it's super easy and super delicious. Okay. Well, I think I might try that that next time. Because I made Caesar salad on Saturday and it came out okay, but not great. And I feel like I kind of know what I did wrong. Um, What do you think you did wrong? So, okay. I I used kind of like a fairly basic recipe um, that has all the things that you said in it, although no mustard. And the things that I did wrong were it gave a range for how many anchovies to use. And I used the smallest amount because I was afraid of overdoing it, which was silly. Okay. Um, I did not dry the lettuce leaves well enough, which was definitely the biggest mistake I made. Oh, so, okay, hold on. I think we need to remind our listeners that you don't have a salad spinner. Uh, Yeah, for religious reasons. I need to be reminded why you don't have a salad spinner. A salad spinner, seriously, I've had one 
since my first apartment. I'll tell you why. It's because I don't make salad very often and it takes up space. This is true. But. This is true. I don't know. Maybe I should try it. Maybe I would make salad more often, but would that make me a better person? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, salad is like one of those weird foods that like a good salad tastes delicious, but it's like not particularly filling and not particularly like nutritious. Like it's just yeah. like lettuce and something like I, I don't go out of your way to make salad unless you genuinely just enjoy the flavor of it because it's not like it's going to fill you up or nourish you. Okay, well, it's check back tasty. with me in a few years and see if I've gotten a salad spin. Oh, great. We'll, we'll, this will okay. be a segment. We'll um, do one of those so, websites like, you know, like, like, is that ship still stuck in the Suez Canal? And it just says yes or no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yes. we'll register. Does Matthew have a salad spinner dot com and just put oh, yes or good. no. Okay. I'm going to okay. I'm going to like make a wait. note to do that. I can't wait. How much am I willing to spend on this joke? Uh, hopefully nothing. <laughs> well, it's going to it's going to cost something to register this domain name. God, hold on Matthew. Wow, you're you really think huh, interesting. I, are we this I mean, back to I, the lettuce thing? I'm I'm back to the lettuce. You really th- I mean, I think you're right that... No, I know I'm right, and here's how I know. That lettuce that has just the tiniest bit too much water will ruin your salad. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because I tasted the dressing, and I was like, okay, this tastes really intense, like it's way too strong for me to, to like, drink, and so that's what I want for my salad. I did, you know, I washed the lettuce leaves, and then I did, I put them out on a kitchen towel, and then, like, you know, used paper towels to, like, blot the water off, but clearly not enough, because as soon as I dressed the lettuce, like, it was like, this has very little flavor and all I can taste is the lots of Parmesan that I put on. Uh, and I made bad croutons because I got like the cheap like supermarket French bread, which is not a terrible thing, but it's great for garlic bread, is not good for croutons. You know, it's interesting. So I I think we probably talked about this on a crouton episode back when we met Mrs. Cubison. Mm-hmm. Hello. But I don't... <laughs> oh, you're back. <laughs> yes. Ah, would you like some tea? We've got a, we've got a tempest in a teapot oh, here. Oh, that sounds quite violent. <laughs> But okay, anyway. if you have a Statue of Liberty, anyway. I'd love one of those. <laughs> anyway, I don't like croutons. I don't understand croutons. What? I don't understand croutons. Oh, like, I... you know what this feeling is in my heart? It's like everybody <laughs> forgetting about how I don't like ketchup. <laughs> Oh. Because they've got a new a new person to hate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I don't. Explain. I don't like croutons. They're like they're either like the texture is all wrong. Like they're too crunchy. They're too crunchy. If they're small, they're like too crunchy. If they're big. Like, I can't fit them in my mouth in one bite, and that's, like, super weird. They send shards everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can't stab them with a fork. I mean, listeners, please... Back me up on this. Like, does everybody love croutons? I don't think so. Okay. I think you guys are just all sitting there quietly waiting for me to do your dirty work and out croutons as the latest food that should be canceled. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Okay, so when I make... Cr- Wait a minute, you're just going to let that stand? No, no, no. What I'm, I just I- did? No, I'm, I'm still talking about croutons. Oh, so okay. here's here's how I, I agree. I don't want my croutons to be like so crispy that I can't bite into them. I think a Grand Central Como loaf, like a, a rustic non-sourdough loaf, I think is ideal for croutons. I, I like shave off the, the crust. I cut the crumb into like maybe three quarter inch cubes, toss them with quite okay. a bit of olive oil and salt 
and bake them until they are crispy, but not crispy all the way through. That's a perfect crouton. What, what temperature do you use? I like 400. I just, I don't know, man. I have never wanted a crouton. Well. Like, I will leave them on the plate. I mean, everybody wants your croutons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, God, I, you know, I think you know what I mean. Felt in high school or college <laughs> or any time since. Anyway, so this is interesting. Okay, so yeah, I never make croutons. I have never bought croutons. I have never put croutons in a salad, uh, like intentionally. And if a recipe calls for croutons, <laughs> I will not add the croutons. Unintentionally, like whoopsie! Um, <laughs> I just invented yeah, a new yeah. thing. So I made Caesar salad recently using, so my mom, my mom has been going, so Tony Negroni, mm-hmm. she of the crackling cold Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's the wrong been, season. It's, it's, it's Negroni oh, season. Oh, that's, that's right. She has been, that's right, it's winter. It's her winter drink. She has been going through a real Ina Garten phase. <laughs> I mean, she's been going through an Ina Garten phase for like the past four years, but my mom, my mom's a very good cook. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she stopped by the house a couple weeks ago and Ash and I were doing something outside and she was like, hey, do you want to come over? I made a really good Caesar salad dressing. Wow. And I, I, I'm, yeah, nice. I know. So anyway, she had uh, she had us over to dinner. She had made Ina Garten's Caesar salad dressing, I think, from the Barefoot Contessa, although I think mom found it online. Sure. And she served it with Skagit River Ranch Italian sausages. Oh, this sounds so good. And bread. And it was so good. Anyway, Ina Garten's recipe is, you know, there's nothing unusual about any of this. It's made in the food processor, so it's very well emulsified. It uses uh, an extra large egg yolk, although I think that's the thing with Ina Garten. She's always calling for extra large Yeah, it eggs. sounds like a so, branding sort of thing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, egg yolk... Uh, she uses a fair amount of of mustard, whereas Julia Tertians doesn't use any. Do you think, um, you know the EL fudge l- cookies? Do you think that stands for extra large fudge? I think it does. Oh, we have some fudge that someone gave us for as a, as a Christmas gift that I haven't cracked into yet, and I'm curious to try. Are you done? Yeah, I think so. Okay, great. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just being mean to you. And we had a listener once say that they felt like I was too mean to I you. I mean, I was I was literally interrupting to talk about something co- totally boring that had nothing to do with what you were talking about, which was the subject of the show. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, Ina Garten uses um, a lot of anchovy. Okay. How, like, how much is um, a lot, like, in terms of, like, number of anchovies to amount of oil, I guess? Okay, so so this recipe, it's a big yield. So it's one and a half cups of olive oh, okay. oil to a half cup of lemon juice. So we got a, we got a, a three to one ratio there. Okay. And then eight to ten anchovy okay. fillets. That, what do you think about that? That sounds like, like not quite the top of the range, but close to the top of the range of the recipe that I used. So that, that seems legit. I think I also tried to make too small an amount. Like I tried to use oh, the stick I... blender, but it was just like, you know, like sitting at the bottom of the stick blender jar. It, it wasn't a great I, I day think, in the kitchen. I do think that in general, salad dressing or maybe sauces in general are the kind of thing where you shouldn't like scale it down. Yeah, I think you're right. Because there's some like alchemy that happens with these ingredients. Oh, mine did I mean, turn they truly into gold. Become... And that was part oh, of the problem. Oh, good. With all the cold weather that we've been having, um, well, and I've been spending a lot of time outside doing things like sledding uh-huh. with my child, and my skin has been feeling super dry. Yeah. 
And now's my turn to go way off. Sure, topic. no, no. I want to hear anyway, about. I want to hear about this. Um... My mother-in-law gave me a, a like a Target gift card, which I have to say I think is one of the greatest gifts you can give a person. Yeah, it's great. Is a Target yeah. gift card. It's delightful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I got some money to spend at Target. I'm going to see if they have any under eye masks. Okay. That make that like have a have good reviews. I wound up buying some. We went to Target and picked them up yesterday. The ingredients, like the active ingredients as listed on the side of the box are, you know, caffeine, which is all the rage these oh, days. Oh, I didn't know that. putting in their skin products. Cucumber and gold. <laughs> <laughs> it said that gold, like, fortifies my under eye skin. And I was like, I'm rich. I just bought. I, I am putting gold on. You have my to face. pan it. You have to pan the the lotion. Yes. Pan the mask juice. The mask yes. juice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah. So what I was going to say is, I what I one thing I really like about Ina Garten's recipe is it has you take all the ingredients except the olive oil and the parmesan. You put all those ingredients into the bowl of a food processor, and then uh, with the food processor running, you slowly pour in the olive oil, like you're as though you were making mayonnaise. Okay, yeah, that, that's and then you add that makes sense. You add the parmesan at the end and and pulse it, so you do still wind up with a little texture from the mm-hmm. parmesan. Okay, I'm gonna try um, this again, or buy some Caesar salad dressing, or both. Okay, uh, Matthew, hold on. How did you prepare your romaine? Oh, good question. So I removed like the 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 floppiest, uh, like greenest outer. Yes, go ahead. I just raised my hand for yeah, the listener. Yeah, you there. Did you buy hearts of romaine or a whole I head I bought of a romaine? whole head of romaine. And really, I think what you want okay. for this recipe is the hearts, yeah. right? Okay, so go on. You did so what I, I removed. I removed some of the non-heart leaves. And then, then I cut it into into like uh, two-inch lengths, maybe. So pretty, pretty okay. big, hearty chunks, but not whole leaves. I didn't dip the whole leaves into dressing like a maniac. My mom, when she served it to us, and I have to say, I think that the best Caesar salad is one that is served to you. We're learning that for sure. She kept the romaine leaves maybe half length. Mm-hmm. She bought hearts of romaine, and I feel like she probably just lopped off the like the 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 root end. <laughs> what is lop? And then and then just cut it in half across <laughs> the the waistline, and that made a really nice length. It was like long enough that you would spear up a leaf, and you would need to bite it in half. Okay. But there was something about it that made it feel, I, I think I don't want a Caesar salad to be fully chopped into bite-sized mm-hmm. pieces. Yeah, I can. I, I, I agree. I don't really know why. Let's Wait, um, to go back to the thing about how you can't stick your fork into a crouton, salads are meant to be eaten with chopsticks. That's the best way to eat a salad. You know, a lot of people would say salads are meant to be eaten with fingers. Okay, yeah, that, that could work too. I think a lot of people, particularly, I don't know, like I, I've read a lot of food writing where people <laughs> insist- <laughs> I haven't. It's that, dumb. Like, that like it's a chefy thing to eat salad with your fingers. Really? Yes, I have seen people insist upon this in okay. writing, and I I think maybe it's dumb, but it is tasty. I no, mean, I, you, I like you... the idea. I, I like. I think. I think life should be more sensual. I agree. I Don't agree, you? Matthew. Okay. Um, and and after you eat your Caesar salad with your fingers, then you have your significant other massage the dressing that remains on your fingers into your cuticles. Yes, and Uh, just all over. That is the way to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Chopsticks, though, you may be onto something there. Yeah, it's really really very satisfying. Because a chopstick is an ideal way to pick up a crouton if you wanted to eat a crouton. 
So what I have a question. This yeah. is crouton related. So I think that you know there are certain things that if you like if you like prepare them as an ingredient like someone in your house like you'll snack on them and other people in your house will like walk by and notice and snack on them like like mm-hmm. if you if you like crisp some bacon that's going to be used later in the recipe like that's oh, yeah. dangerous to put on the counter right yes yes for me in our house i think croutons are like the the item like bar none that is most likely to get ravaged if you're not careful what wow. is the thing in your house I think bacon is is, mm-hmm. is a big one because I often will crisp bacon at the beginning of making fried rice, and then I'll yeah. use the bacon fat to cook the fried rice. Same thing with uh, making yakisoba. Yeah. So here's the thing, Matthew. Like, I don't cook. I, to be fair, I can't think of anything besides the two I things don't that often, I mentioned. Like, cook things to put in other things. Yeah, Do you I, know what I, mean? I think it sort of counts if you measure out some chocolate chips for a cookie recipe and just leave them and they're going to go into the mixer or get stirred in soon. Like, I'll always like snack a few of those. I will tell you that whenever I cook, uh, so my household's favorite green vegetables are roasted broccoli and green beans. Yeah. Um, and I usually just like kind of uh, like I boil the green beans uh, till they're like bright green. If those are done before the rest of the meal is done, like look out. June will absolutely Me too. the green yes. beans or the broccoli. Yeah. No, I'll just do that myself in the kitchen. Yeah. I usually have to say to her, like, please leave some green beans for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, which is like, a, a, I'm aware, a very um, uh-huh. a special problem to have right. with a child. I feel very grateful. Oh, you know, Matthew, we haven't talked yet about grilled chicken Caesar. Yes. Which I think is the thing that many people think of first. Yeah. Like what decade do you associate that with? I mean, mm. I, know, I know it's still popular, but. I feel like it early 90s. Yeah, that sounds right to me, too. I think it's great. I think it's delicious. I, I think it's like a yeah, thing that food writers would complain about for some reason, like in a purist sort of way. There is no reason not to love grilled yeah, chicken so Caesar. Good. It's so good. It makes a lot of sense. It takes something that is delicious but not very filling and makes it more filling. Yeah. Uh, you wind up with a whole meal, right? You got your yeah. bread from your croutons, assuming you eat your croutons. You got your <laughs> romaine and you got you got your your chicken. Yeah. What more could you want? Matthew, let's get together and lunch on yeah, a grilled let's do, chicken let's have, Caesar. Like, grilled chicken, yeah. Uh, okay. Neither of us grills much, right? Mm, you have I a have grill. a grilled pan. I have okay. a grilled pan. Yeah. All right. Let's grill pan it. Do you ever feel like, so I actually really like this grill pan. and I, I've never used a grill pan. So my this one was my mom's and she never used it and she gave it to me. And I have to say I've used it for actually a number of Julia Tertian recipes. She okay. has like, you know, she'll have you like marinate strips of chicken breast uh, in a just a delicious marinade and then grill them. Sure. And it's like super great. tasty. Or shrimp. I've also done flank steak in it, a whole flank steak. I have to say, I I don't really understand the point of a grill pan other like is it just designed to leave the grill marks on something? Because obviously yeah, it's I think not so. it's not gonna create a grill flavor. Oh, you don't put a layer of charcoal briquettes in yours? <laughs> But I, I do often wonder, like, wait, is this just all about the appearance? I mean, appearance is important. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it, it it really makes things look really nice. I mean, I think there, there is, is flavor associated with, like, getting that level of char, like, concentrating the heat into that 
particular spot. There is something really know. nice, too, about, I mean, like, picture a chicken thigh, right, that has been grilled. There is something really special about the way that between the grill marks, there's just kind of this, like, unctuous, like, glistening yeah. marinade, you, you know? Do you then, like, rotate so you get the cross-hatched grill marks? I've done that, that with flank steak. I've oh, done that yeah. with flank steak. It's, like, too fiddly with chicken. Yeah. I was afraid we wouldn't have much to say about Caesar salad, but this is turning into one of our longer episodes. Yeah, let's finish this thing. Hurry Should we up. move on to segments? Yes, please. I'm getting very hungry. Okay. Uh, so listener Ellie has sent us some spilled mail. Listener Ellie asks, what are some of your favorite food films? Eat, Pray, Love, Julie and Julia, and Chocolat are some of my personal favorites. This is Listener Ellie saying this. But I'd love to hear your suggestions on which food film to watch next. Matthew? Okay, so I appreciate that Listener Ellie mentioned a couple of films that uh, came out later than the year 2000s, because I feel like for a while we were kind of stuck with, like, whenever you mentioned food movies, people would always say, Big Night. Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, which I am going to talk about. Uh, What are the other ones? Babette's Feast, Chocolat. I feel like there's at least one other that you just had to say. I don't think of any. So I have not seen any of the movies that listener Ellie mentions. Okay. I didn't didn't even know Eat, Eat, Pray, Pray, Love was made into a movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Starring uh, uh, Diane Lane? Um, uh, Julie and Julia, Chocolat. Was Like Water for Chocolate made into a movie? Julia or Roberts a- starred in Eat, Pray, Love. Diane okay. Lane was was under the Tuscan sun, maybe? Mm, okay. Okay, so I tried to think of, like, what is the most recent movie that I've seen that I would say is a great food movie? And the the movie that I thought of is called Ang and in Japanese, and in English, I believe it's gone under a couple of different names, but I think Sweet Bean, you can find it on streaming services. And one thing that I found so interesting about this movie is that it centers around a food that I don't particularly like, although I have like learned to get along with it, which is sweet red bean paste. And there are these scenes. So the, the premise is like um, this this guy has a dorayaki stand, which is like a little Japanese confection that's like two small pancakes with a scoop of red bean paste in between them. Okay. And his food is not very good. And in particular, he uses like low quality commercial uh bean paste. And this uh, woman comes, this old woman shows up and says, can I have a job? I make really good bean paste. And he's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to hire like an old woman to work at my shop, but let's see what you can do. And there are these scenes of her like making like huge quantities of this handmade bean paste and uh, like the steps that it goes through and the stirring and, uh, and the reducing and the, the spooning it into these delicate little pancakes. And uh, it's, it's an incredibly like, did I already say sensual enough in this episode? Say you know, it again. It, it's, it's a sensual, vivid film that also, like, gets into some, uh, like, real issues about, like, um, uh, treatment of uh, people people with Hansen's disease, a.k.a. leprosy. Um, oh, okay. Hopefully that's not a spoiler. But uh, it's a, a really good movie, and the, and the food shots are incredible, uh, focusing around a food that you might not have thought of as being... Uh, like I think even even like people who grew up eating it and enjoy it like probably don't think of it as like a photogenic food, but this film proves otherwise. Oh, Eat, uh, Drink, Man, Woman is also good. The film that I thought of was Bao. Have you seen it? No. B a o. Wait, is this a um, short? It's a short film. Okay. It's a short film. I believe it won an Academy Award. 
I don't think um, I saw it. Oh my gosh. So I believe it was produced by Pixar, but it's it's basically about uh so it's animated. Mm-hmm. It's about um like a, a lonely Chinese Canadian mother who is basically suffering from empty nest syndrome. And she makes a steamed bun, bow, that uh spoiler alert, uh becomes sentient. It okay. comes to life. And anyway, what happens is unexpected, delightful. Um, but the she animation, for sure eats it. Right? The animation is so cute. And the movie is just delightful and weird and uh, highly recommend. Uh, it's called Bao. B-A-O. Okay, great. And now it's time for Now But Wow. Take it away, Matthew. Okay. My Now But Wow this week, uh, I just got this book for Christmas, and I read it in one day. It is called Silent Parade by Keigo Higashino. I have read several of his other mysteries. He's a um, best-selling mystery and other genre writer in Japan who more and more is being translated into English and writes, like, really taut procedural mysteries. And this one is loosely inspired by Murder on the Orient Express, but uh, it will it'll keep you guessing, as they say, because... It is very clear from the beginning, like, who committed the murder and what the motive was, and yet there is still so much mystery to be had. It's really well done. Silent Parade oh, by Keigo Higashi. That sounds really, really great. Would you say the title again? Silent Parade. Okay, great. Wow, Matthew. Well, uh, hey, this Caesar salad episode turned out to be a real, a real marathon. A real sensual experience. A really sensual experience in which we 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 covered so much ground. We made it all the we way to the Statue of Liberty. We covered each other with with a, with an oil. Yep. Uh, anything else we need to say? Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yep. You can catch up with other people who listen on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Maybe something about babies who lunch because everyone was like knitting tiny clothes for their babies who lunch. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought of like knitting tiny garments. <laughs> yeah. Until next time, we're knitting tiny earmuffs <laughs> to keep your ears warm between episodes <laughs> and your baby's ears. I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Hesterberg. <laughs> oh, so dumb. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.